Hallelujah. We're going to get started here right away. Well, I spent all this last week speaking at Sunrise Camp at uh, Alberta Beach. And the byproduct of, of doing that is it reminded me of so many of the fundamentals of the kingdom of God. I realized that I probably should do that here again sometime. Maybe we'll, I don't know, maybe sometime we'll do a, a seminar just to reinforce the foundations. But there are, you know, there are things that Jesus said that are pillars of truth in the kingdom of God, how he operated and what he did. And what happens is this, is, you know, when, when the church was birthed, you remember that first day, 3,000 came to the Lord. 3,000 came to the Lord. And uh, it's because a people learned to release the river of God. They learned to release the Spirit of God. But, you know, here's what happens. As soon as something starts to happen in the natural, as soon as something starts to be visible, then there becomes the need to manage the part that's visible. So as soon as you have the birthing into the natural, then you have the invisible, which is the release of the Spirit, and then the effect produces a visible. Well, how many of you know that the unbelieving part of us, you know, the less spiritual-led part of us, identifies more with the visible than the invisible? And what happens, as long as you don't have, uh, as soon as you don't have leaders who see the invisible, the visible becomes the only part. And managing the visible begins to overtake in importance the invisible. And so what God has to do in every generation is raise up apostolic leaders who see that the kingdom of God is not made of the visible, but the invisible. That it's the invisible that fuels the visible. And faith causes you to see the invisible. And so we, we like Jesus, need to be a spirit people who see that which cannot be seen. Because... Uh, the visible is temporal, but the invisible is eternal. And the kingdom of God consists of eternal, not temporal. Amen? So, let's stand up for a second. We're going to pray. And for those of you that were in the, in the prayer room praying with us, I want you to continue to just release your spirit. Just begin to pray because what we need in this community is a manifestation of God because the scripture says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the evil one. And so we need a manifestation of God. It's the only thing that breaks the cords of darkness. It's the only thing that breaks the, the chains that are on families and on people, the, the demonic powers that rage in people's lives, bringing uh, addictions and, and, uh, and perversion and sexual lust and depression and suicide. So, Lord, we lean into you today. And we say you are the answer. And we long, God, for you to manifest your presence in this community. We long that you would manifest your presence here in this church. We long, God, that you would come with waves and waves and waves of your love. God, we want to be overwhelmed by who you are. We want to see the world recognize, acknowledge that you are God and there is none like you. So, Lord, we say you are the answer. You are what we need this morning. God, we say, arise. Arise in this earth. Arise in this land. Arise in this place. Oh, Lord, we long for you to come. 
the Spirit and the bride say, come. We want the sound of the Spirit in our midst, the echo of desire that says, come, Lord, come, Lord, come. Come to the earth, O God. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let your kingdom come. And let your will be done. We say, come, Lord. We say, come. We say, come. Sometimes we get to moments and it feels a little awkward because we usually have a nice little diddly to represent an atmosphere. And we, we sing the song in lieu or to celebrate a moment or to represent something. But what the Spirit of God is saying, listen, press through. I want you to press through. I want you to cry out for heaven on earth. I want you. You are the Spirit and the bride and the expression for that. The Spirit in you is to say, come. And it is simply raw desire. Raw desire. And if you think of the complications in your life, if you think of unsaved ones, if you think of, of the challenges that face us in our nation, a desperation for God can begin to arise. And we don't want to sing just a nice little beautiful atmospheric tune that, that set, caps the moment. We don't want to do that. We want to, we want to release the fullness of our hearts that says, God, we need you. God, we want you. God, we don't want to just get by. God, we don't want to just survive. God, we want overwhelming victory. God, we want to rise above the threshold of existence, rise above the threshold of making it another week. And we want to say breakthrough overwhelming breakthrough your kingdom come your kingdom come your kingdom come and if this is your heart just begin to release it and intercessors come come intercessors release your heart he said my house will be a house of prayer my house will be a house of prayer contending for heaven on earth. We are contending for heaven on earth. We need signs, miracles, wonders. We need the power of your presence manifest in our midst. God, we need an anointing to break addiction. I keep feeling like God is asking us, how long can you seek before you stop seeking? And Jesus said to his disciples, could you not wait with me one hour? Not even one hour. Guys, not even one hour, he says. God is saying, listen, there's a capacity of faith that knocks and keeps on knocking. And there's a capacity of faith that seeks and keeps on seeking. It's expectant. It knows an answer is coming, and it will not stop. Overcoming power. Overcoming fire. Overcoming fire. You know, people talk about revival. 
And revival means to them that moment where this presence comes that makes it easy for them to see God, that makes it easy for them to be hours and hours in meetings. But I'm telling you, before that breakthrough comes, somebody on purpose, as a matter of choice, said, I'm going to wait before the Lord. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to seek. They didn't wait for that moment when it was easy. They made the breakthrough happen by seeking God as a matter of necessity. And God is saying today, will you seek me as a matter of necessity for your nation, for your city, for your province, for me, for me, for me. So I just had this, I've been reading Hosea and just this, this call in my heart this morning is, is for repentance for the nations and that doesn't usually come upon me. So I'm just going to read this out to you guys. And he said, and they will return. And at that time, I will plant crops of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those called not loved. Now Hosea had, he took a prostitute and he had two kids. And one was called not loved. And the other one was called not my people. And he said, I will show love to those called not loved. And I will call those called not my people. And I will say, now you are my people. And they will reply, now you are our God. And then it says later on in the call to repentance, in a short time he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we might know, oh, that we might know God, that we might know our Lord. Let us press in to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of the dawn or the coming of the rains. So I just call to nations. I call to those who feel they are not loved, and I call to those who feel that they are not God's people, even people in the body of Christ. I say to you, come and repent today. Come and repent that your hearts would turn towards God, that we would know our God, that we could press in together, and that we would know our God, that we could come together as a nation and call these people, just as Hosea the prophet called Israel together to cry out to God. So Father, we cry out to you. And we press in your presence, God, that we might know you. That we might know you more, God. That we might know your presence and live with you, God. And that people from around this nation and from around the world, God, would come to you. The ones that are not loved, God, I call to their hearts today. In the name of Jesus, I call to their hearts today. Father, my heart breaks for them. My heart breaks for the ones that feel they are not loved and that they have nothing going for them. My heart is breaking, God, and I know that's your heart breaking for them. So I call them, God, and I call the people who feel like they have no place, that they feel like they have no place in this world to come back, to come back to the King, to come back to God. Oh, God, we press into you that we might know you this morning, God. You know, the Lord is looking for a people who will align to his agenda. And when God sent Moses to Israel when they were in Egypt, under slavery and under bondage, Israel did not understand their destiny. And they interpreted the goal of this thing, their freedom. Let me tell you, when God, if you are born again Christian, the goal of this thing is not, does not stop at your freedom. The goal of this thing is not stopping 
at the fact that your eternal destination is, is, is secured. God's agenda is much greater than that. And so because they had a different agenda than God, they balked at God's agenda at every check, at every turn, at every turn, at every turn. And God was always trying to bring them past their perceived end and their goal. And so initially it was just getting out of Egypt. And even then it's like, we shouldn't even have done this. As soon as they begin to be threatened that they might lose their lives or might have to pay too much of a cost. It was like, no, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. And then they came to the land and, and they were free from Egypt. And some said, no, we, we can't even go in. Listen, God is saying, listen, this is not my agenda. Getting you out of Egypt is not the end of this journey. And they wouldn't go in. And God was angry with that generation. Why? Because he's looking for a people who are going to say, God, your agenda is my agenda. Align my agenda with your agenda. My agenda has been, you know, I want a family. I want a house. I want a job. I want a secure life. I want happy existence. I want this kind of relationship with people. I want this kind of setting in a community. I want this. And God is saying, no, I'm going to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I didn't come just to give you a happy life. I came to give you a happy life, but much more than that. Don't stop at your happy life. And when Israel wouldn't go in, and God said, listen, I'm going to come. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to raise up a better people. Does that mean God didn't love them? No, he did. But his purpose is more important than their happiness. And he said, I could fulfill both of them if they'll just let me. They could be happy and I could fulfill my purpose. But they keep stubbornly refusing and going back to their own little world, their own little lives. And so Moses intercedes. And God says, okay, I'm, I've pardoned them. But he says this critical thing. But as surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. He's saying, listen, this is my agenda. And he, oh, what I see is God is combing the earth, looking to and fro. For not somebody who just wants to be saved, not somebody who just wants to, to have a position in the church where people acknowledge them or recognize them, not somebody who just wants a ministry and a name, but people who say, God, I won't relent. I won't turn back. I won't stop. Until the whole earth is filled with your glory. Until we won't have to say know the Lord. Because the knowledge of God will be spilled out in the streets. That's that wherever we walk, people will be coming to repentance. People will be bowing their knee. Sickness will bow the knee. Cancer will bow the knee. Death will bow the knee. And God is saying, I don't want a people who are satisfied. Well, we got a nice little community. We sing nice songs. Our, our worship services are pleasant. But the world outside our doors is dying. And decay sits at our doorstep. He said, this is not what I've called you for, people. And I'm saying, God, I don't know if I have the faith for that. I don't know if I have the faith for that. Maybe some of you, you, you feel that way. I don't know if I have the faith. I only have the faith for this. And so we're coming to God saying, God, expand my heart. I want to have the faith 
for my province. I want to have the faith for my whole city. I want to have the faith oh, that foundations of righteousness in Canada will be restored. That the wisdom of God will once again be celebrated in, in the open market. You will fill the earth with the knowledge of your glory. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Oh, so Lord, speak the word. And change our hearts. Right now, all over the room, fear has dictated and drawn lines in our life and said, this is, this is too much. Don't expect more than this. You'll get hurt. You'll get burned. But God is saying, I want to expand your heart. I want you to believe for more. I want to do miracles in your life. I want to do miracles right now in your heart. I want to change your spiritual capacity. I want to change your expectation of my power in your life. Oh, God, speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. We say, let the boundaries be moved. Let the stakes be pulled about. Let them be pulled out. Let the tent pegs be extended. Extend the tent of our dwelling, God. I want to minister this prophetically. When I was in the prayer room this morning, the Lord began to show me athletes. And he, he began to speak to me about, about world records. And uh, there are certain key thresholds that man has crossed in terms of world records. Years ago, when I was a young boy, my dad talked to me about the five uh, the, the four-minute mile, four-minute mile. Like it was just as the records came closer and closer, men began to come up against barriers. And the barriers clearly were not physical because man has transcended those barriers, bam, by, by, by loads, by huge margins. And, you know, with high jumps and pole vaults and all these things. But what happens is an athlete, when they're going, they're, they're, when they're going to try for a, to set a personal best, they run into a limit. And that limit just isn't in their body, but their body's speaking to them, but their mind is speaking to them as well. Because their mind, their mind is the biggest barrier. The mind is the biggest barrier. And the mind tells them, you can't do this. That, you couldn't do that on your best day. And God is saying to you, your minds have accepted limits. Your minds have accepted limits about your life, about who I've called you to be, about what I can do through you. And it's time. It's time to break those limits. And so there are voices that speak to us, that define our expectation. And God is saying, listen, I could speak a word, and I am speaking a word. Mm. And I want a word to come down into your heart. But like Israel, you need to receive that word. And you need to mix that word with faith. And I know right away some of our minds, well, how do I do that? And your mind is trying to figure out how to do that. But your mind can't. Your mind is the problem. My mind is the limitation. My spirit must believe my spirit has to believe. The word, when it comes, is going into your spirit. 
And God has been ministering to our spirits here. And he's been pulling us into a place of revelation where he can reveal something to our minds. Oh, God, we ask in the name of Jesus. Oh, God wants to erase barriers. There are barriers that are born of iniquity. That means historical sin in your life, historical deficiencies, historical limitations that your father had and your father's father. And it's almost latent in your body, in your physical being. And the Spirit of God saying, I want to come and I want to speak into the iniquity consciousness, into the iniquity consciousness. And I want to, I want to give you a righteousness consciousness. You are being guided by iniquity consciousness. You lowered your expectations on yourself and your family according to the iniquity in your family line. And the Lord says, I, I want to set you free. God, 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 set us free. Particularly mothers and fathers, mothers and fathers right now all around the room, you fear you fear often that your kids are going to do this or do this or do this. Your kids are little and you're already fearing. You know what you're doing? You're sowing seed. That's a, that is an iniquity consciousness. And God is saying, listen, I can change that. Right now, mothers and fathers, start coming out of that. Start repenting. God, I don't want to sow those expectations of rebellion into my kids. I don't want to sow those expectations. I don't want to sow them. For some of you, there's been a spirit of witchcraft that's held you back. There's been a spirit of witchcraft at times that held you back. I want you to put your hand on your head. Father, in Jesus' name. Today we break. Today we break every lie of the enemy that has spoken over this church and over this people. Father, we pray that dreams will come again to this family. In Jesus' name, break. 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 Father, we say in Jesus' name, it's the end of an era. God, what the enemy meant for evil for this house... We say it's a brand new day. It's a brand new day. Father, in Jesus' name, break. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. For some of you, the enemy has lied for a long time. And we want to declare today that it's the end of an era. Come on. It's the end of an era. The best is yet to come for Spruce Grove Community Church. Let's say it together. The best is yet to come for Spruce Grove Community Church. Listen, Mark touched on something very important. Sometimes we try to figure out what's happening. and We want to reconcile in our mind an understanding and God's saying today we're just going to make declarations and proclamations it's the end of an era yeah. come on yeah. it's the end of an era the best is yet to come for Spruce Grove Community Church amen so father in Jesus name let's stand up together
Let's take a step forward. As your faith is, so be it unto you. Come on. God, I pray this morning. Listen. Some of you need a miracle in your physical body also. I feel the gift of faith in the room. I feel the gift of faith in the room. Do you need a miracle in your body also? Do you need a miracle, a physical healing? When I was in the prayer room, I felt the gift of faith, the working of miracles. Whoever has their hand up, put your hand on them. Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we pray. Release the gift of the working of miracles in this body. Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' break. Break, 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 break. Where's Miranda? Miranda, come on up. You know, when we were in the prayer room, the Holy Spirit showed me you. Everybody reach out your hand. Father, in Jesus' name. Restore. 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 Father, right now, release. 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 In Jesus' name. Lord, we break. We break. And we pray the blood of Jesus over her body. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Lord. More? Release? Oh. Now, for those of you that don't realize, witchcraft is a key component. It's a key expression of the demonic. It's attack against the church. And that's why when Israel was coming out and they went through uh, Balak's land, they called Balaam the prophet and they said, listen, release a curse against them. And, and he could not, he could not, he could not. And he says, he says, I can't do it against them because the shout of their king, there's something, the shout of the king is in their midst. There's something on them that repulses the curses because they are walking in a manifestation of his glory. And the church is meant to be walking in a manifestation of that glory. But what comes up against us all the time is curses. Curses. Every time you go to work, the air is filled with curses. And part of the enemy, what the enemy is trying to do, is get you to align in your thinking with the world around you. And as you align in your thinking with the world around you, as you align with that spirit of unbelief, that spirit of accusation, that hostility, the pride, the arrogance of the world, you begin to be susceptible to the witchcraft that's out there. And, it, and it, it begins to make inroads into your mind and it begins to affect you. But that's not your destiny. That's not what God has called you to. But witchcraft and the manifestation of witchcraft is a key weapon against you. It's like spiritual arrows that are being shot all the time. All the time. And God is saying, listen, I want to set you free right now. Not only from witchcraft that's affected you, not only arrows that have hit you, but I want to set you free so that you can discern the atmospheres of it. You can discern it when it hits your mind. 
Sometimes you come home and your wife says, or your husband says, what's the matter with you? You, you come home, you got something on you. They, others can see it. It affects you. And you think, well, well, it's just I had a bad day or this. No, it's more than that. We live in a spiritual world. A spiritual world. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, raise up a people who have shields of faith that are so large the enemy can't even see us. That we walk around with our shields of faith that they're held high, their barriers, their walls against arrows that come from above and from the side. Oh, helmets of salvation and a breastplate of righteousness. Oh, and our loins girded with truth and a sword that is your word that breaks the power of accusation that breaks the power of everything the enemy tries to bring up against us. We have a sword and we have weapons that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Part of what the enemy tries to do around infirmity is bring cyclical illness often related to what we think are or believe to be normal physical functions. And he, he slips things in. He slips things in under the veil of legitimacy uh, because we are, our guards are down. And uh, what he does is he steals our freedom inch by inch. It's kind of like that pork belly bill in the U.S. when they, they, they want to speed things up so they pass a bill. And all the other said, if, we, if you want me to vote yes, we have to throw all these extra things in. So the enemy, while you're saying yes to, well, you know, it's... I, I'm having my, my cycle, or yeah, every fall I get a cold, or every this, you know, or my father had cancer, my, my grandfather, my mother. And so our guard is down, and we accept, we accept pain, we accept chronic illness, we accept chronic pain in our, in our body, we accept these things, we just roll over. And there's something of faith that says, no, I wasn't born to this. This is not my spiritual DNA. This is not my destiny. When I look at Israel, it says there was none sick. None of them. There was no barren. There was no miscarriages. They didn't even have a hemorrhoid. And, the, and, and Paul said our covenant was built on better promises. Better promises. That means you, sh you can expect more. But you know... Part of it is pride. I don't want to expect something and talk about getting something and not get it and have egg on my face. So I'll lower my expectations so that I can protect my, my reputation. I, we don't want to do that. God, I want everything you have. I want fullness of health. God, no arthritis, no cancer, no hemorrhoids, no barrenness, no uh, physical problems of any kind in Jesus' name but the manifestation of your glory in the midst of us. Your presence here in the midst of us. Your presence here in the midst of us. Lord, we contend for the promise. We contend for the promise. 
We contend for the promise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Mark DuPont is going to be with us again. Now, he came to me in Montreal and, and said, listen, I hope, I hope this doesn't sound presumptuous, but I really feel God's calling me back to your church. That there's something strategic that I'm called to impart, and uh, I felt that that was true anyway, and so I'm happy to have him back. And again, I, I believe that the vision that he had around the fire of God falling on cities all over the world is, is what is coming and what we're being prepared for. And, um, and let me just share one other thing. There's a young guy who's been coming on Wednesday nights, part of another church here locally. But he told uh, Chris, I think it was, he said, man, there is an atmosphere of breakthrough in your church. And I feel like you guys are right on the edge of tipping into this thing. That's not the first time I've heard that. Uh, because I feel like we've been on, on, a, on an edge for a long time. But, but what if, what if that thing was going to continue to escalate? You know, we always look for thresholds, you know. Like, you know, th- you know man, this is it's building up, building up. You know, God's cycles are, are a little bit longer than ours. You, you know what I mean? Right? I mean, uh, it, says, it says a day is as a thousand years to the Lord. So how many of you know, you know, his week is a little bit more extensive than our week? And a part of what he's trying to do is bring us to this place where, where our expectations align with his and where we need, you know, we're, you know, when you're carnal, remember what you did? We sang that song, Lover Boy? Everybody's working for the weekend. That's a very tiny little cycle. You know, some of us, man, I'm just trying to get to the end of the day when I punch out. Right? These are human cycles that define our expectations and try to align us to a, a mindset. And God is saying, listen, I have a mindset of revival, of transformation, of pouring out my glory. And, and could you invest and work towards that and let me align your expectation to that timeline? Well, that may mean that I, I die and never see what it is I'm expecting. He said, well, welcome to the club. Because that's what he talked about in Hebrews. He said, he said, holy men of old lived and died having an expectation and never saw it. Something having been prepared for you. And so we are participating in this larger cycle that doesn't necessarily have its expression in the immediacy of my life. And part of what God is saying is, will you, will you believe with me for one of my expectations? If you do that for me, I'll fulfill one of yours. Wouldn't that be great? Thank you, Lord. We're going we're gonna to do a little bit of sharing here. I'm going to share something, then John's going to come, and uh, Kim also has something. Aren't, isn't it great to have missionary Kim and Lynn Wheeler, missionaries, here as a part of our church? And, uh, you know, the Lord, the Lord has very specifically called him to come here and to live and um, and to be a part of our body, and uh, we're expecting great things in the future around that because God doesn't do anything without design, without purpose, right? And today we have our friend John and Pamela Lowndes and their kids here with us, and it's great to have them visiting with us. Let me quickly read a, a passage of Scripture. Uh, now, I make no apology about the fact that 
that while there's any, many elements, and I may back up here a second because I do want to say something about that potluck, but um, there are many elements to the Christian life, not the least of which is the family atmosphere and the capacity to, to love one another and walk with one another. But ultimately, the kingdom of God is spiritual. And the way that Jesus operated was from a spiritual base. base. You know, he operated from the enigmatic, mysterious realm. I just read an article here the other day by J.D. King, and he said, he, he had this quote from this famous theologian that basically he said, he said, in the future, if it's not the case now, the Christian will be the mystic. And that mysticism, that, uh, you know, the, the invisible, the unknown, the supernatural, the spiritual, is inherently the cornerstone of Christianity. It is not Christian rationalism. It is not Christian philosophy. It is not a Christian moral view. It is a spiritual realm invading a physical realm. And we have to have our roots firmly fixed in that spiritual realm. And, uh, and the success of everything we do is contingent upon that. But as I said at the beginning of the service, I said there's an invisible component, but as soon as the kingdom of God touches the earth, it, it brings a physical expression, right? As soon as you get uh, the, 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 the preaching of the gospel and 3,000 saved on that first day when the Spirit of God was poured out in Acts 2, you suddenly have an influx of physical activity on a larger scale. Now, there's two types of minds that, that rise to the occasion. There are those that see this as an opportunity to increase their sphere, and they're naturally minded, and then pursue a position within the new administration. Hello? And, and we see that very clearly in that sorcerer in, uh, I can't remember what city, whether it was Corinth or something. And he said, hey, give me this, I'll give you money, give me this power so I can do this too. And, and Peter said, you, your heart is not right. And Ananias and Sapphira were the same way. They thought, okay, what are these guys doing? Okay, they're giving money. Well, give money so that we can have the same esteem and influence and, and role in this. And a part of the warnings of the, ap- the apostles was, listen, there's people going to rise up who are going to try and mimic, who are going to try and copy who do not operate from a spirit platform, but who will look and to see what are the right things to say and the right things to do, and we'll copy that and we'll try to make inroads. But, and so part of the criteria we have is, is the spiritual man, the spiritual man, the spiritual man that, that matters. And so that's why in Philippians 3.3 it says, we are the circumcision of God who worship God in the spirit. So our capacity to do spiritual things is our legitimacy to do natural things, okay? Our capacity to do spiritual things is our authority to have a role in the body of Christ. And the people that come in and can only do the natural stuff, okay, that's fine. We can let them do that. That's great. But, but eldership, authority, kingdom ministry is for those who operate and walk in the Spirit. And so you can never abandon the natural ministry that you do or, or, pardon me, you can never abandon the spiritual ministry in favor of the natural one. It is more visible. It does get more recognition. It's easier to raise money around, you know, feeding the poor and doing visible things and, and that. But the cornerstone of everything that the kingdom is is spiritual. 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 Now, having said that, things like the potluck Wednesday night uh, are absolutely key, right? Because... 
you know, uh, when, I, when I think about my family, you know, I got five kids and I've got relatives and I'm, of course I'm well known here. I have lots of relationships. But there are people coming into this church who, A, don't have any relationships, don't have any family that's saved, don't know anybody who's a Christian in their immediate bloodline, don't have people to celebrate with. You know, most of us, we, or a lot of us, we finish church and we've got, we got any number of 30, 40 people we can go have lunch with, invite over to our house. But there are people who are going to get saved if they haven't already come into this church and they have no one. They have no one. And when the service is over, they, they got to go home to an empty house with nobody to talk to. Okay. There, we need to be family in the natural for those kinds of people. And, and so things like potlucks are not just incidental moments, you know, distractions from the important things. They are the living out that makes community possible so that we can continue to do the spiritual things. And so sometimes, you know, I've thought about this a lot. We try to open our home. We try to include people because we know that while we have a plethora of relationships that are healthy and wonderful and, and we're not, there are people in this room perhaps right now who have no one. And we need to... We need to create a community that enables them to be inclusive. And the other part of it, a lot of you that have lots of friends, you already have relational skills, okay? A lot of the people that are going to get saved and come into this church will have none. And what are we going to do there? What is it? Like, well, it sucks to be you. I'm just hanging out with the popular people, and all of us know how to do relationship. And, you know, one day, one day, you might come up to where we are. I don't want, I don't want to see that. As a lifestyle, we, you know, there's something in the kingdom that's inherent. We care for those that have nothing. So, but anyway, let me get back to the spiritual thing. Let me read this, and I'm going to ask John to come. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. I want you to think of that. When we are in here worshiping, when we are in here praying, what we're doing in the natural is not what we're doing. What we do in the natural represents what we're doing in the spiritual. Now, the, the, mind who, the person who doesn't have a redeemed spirit and doesn't see what's happening in the spirit, they can only mimic what's done in the natural. And we've seen that lots, and where people, you know, they come along for a while, well, oh, these people are very emotional. Okay, I'll get emotional, and I'll come alongside them, and we'll pound some sticks, and we'll wave some flags, and and I feel stupid, and I got emotional, but, man, it's so hard to do. Yeah, it is hard to do when you're not spirit-led. The fuel, the energy for this is spirit. And you try to do that in the natural, you're going to burn out. You're going to say, this isn't, there's nothing to this. Yeah, well, you were doing it wrong then. What a, a lead balloon, man. <clears throat> you were doing it wrong. We do a lot of things wrong. On the way to doing things right, we're going to do them wrong. That's okay. Right? Have you ever sang badly before you sang well? Right? Have you ever played sports badly before you played sports well? You dance badly before you dance well. It's, it's the way it goes. Expect it. If you're afraid of failure, you're not going to do anything. But so we walk in the flesh, uh, but we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not earthly. They're not natural. They're not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing thoughts into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. And so there, there is a spiritual foundation 
for everything we're trying to do. And what the church is, what this is, it's not, a, it's not necessarily the first hand, uh, you know, the first stage of reaching the community. It's the stage of training the people so they can operate the spirit so that when you're out in the community, you can walk in the spirit. And so we're, we're learning to do that. But make no mistake, we are up against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, right? World rulers, we are warring against them. And a lot of the cyclical things we see in churches, in regions and around the world, are the result of that warfare. And we are growing in our comprehension of how to overcome, how to be safe how to have spiritual community that's, that's uh, rich and wonderful. So there's two guys, both got something to say. Who wants to share first? Kim wants to go first. You know, for a couple months now, I've been uh, sensing this season, a change of seasons. And then John got up and was sharing a new era, a new era. He was declaring it, really, more than just sharing it. There was a declaring, a declaration of it. We've been talking for a while now. There's this clear change of season. And uh, this morning, it kind of hit ahead for me this in, in prayer. And uh, it's, but I, I, I've been using not the word era, but more of change of season. And, you know, as Mark, you just shared also, these are so, it's, it's neat how the Holy Spirit puts these together. You know, one person has one piece, another has another piece, another has this other part, and it comes together and you see the whole picture. And, uh, you know, God has a plan. How many agree God has a plan? How many know that he has plan A, but he doesn't have plan B? Guess what God's plan A is? You. That's, that's the thing that we have to understand. God's plan is you because he says as he came in, and, he, and he, he brought in the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, to dwell in man. And, you know, the one song we were singing about, he says, the Holy Spirit, come and hover over the waters. You are the waters. And he says, Holy Spirit, come in and hover over us. Fill us with your power that we may go out. Because as this, now this change of the season, it's a new era. And, and uh, the, do you remember when Jesus brought John and James and Peter up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, they had been with him for a couple years by this time already, and they had seen some amazing things. This church has seen amazing things, things that many churches have never seen before. How many know that? This church has seen a lot of things that many churches have never seen before, only heard of. But it's kind of become a norm here. So it's something that we become familiar with. And so Peter and James and John have, were familiar with miracles, signs and wonders, prophetic word, right? And Jesus, how he, he had such a, a hunger and a passion and a love for his people, that's what he came down for. And he'd look over Jerusalem, and he'd say, oh, and he, he says, I have such compassion. And he says, oh, I want to just gather you together. He, that's why he came, because he had such a hunger and a love for his people, and he wanted to gather them. And then there was this one uh, sour Phoenician woman that came. Do you remember the one time? And, and he says, heal my daughter or my son. He would go into convulsions. And, and Jesus says, I wasn't called to them. I wasn't called to them. He says, says, can I take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs? 
That's, what, like, that's a harsh word, right? But that was coming out of the heart of what Jesus was. He says, my people, I have passion for my people. We know that, understand that story. But, but uh, Jesus said there's more to Peter, to James and John. And, you know, he, he only took a portion of the disciples. He only took a remnant of the disciples. He had, he had the 12, but then he had another group of 70, and then he had another group of hundreds that would follow him. But he only took three. And he brought him up to this mountain, and he says, I want to show you, really, the reality of this. This is what our goal is. This is what we're aiming towards. And he shows him Jesus in his real state, this transfigured state of this shining and glory. And all of a sudden, Peter, he shines. Oh, man, this is it. And you know what Peter wanted to do? He said, let's build some houses and let's just stay here. Forget about the, the rest of the people. Forget about the others. Forget about Jerusalem. Let's just stay. Jesus, let's just stay here. <laughs> Peter, James, John, and you, and Elijah, and Moses, and we're going to have a great time right here. Wow, this is amazing. How many would love to do that? And that's kind of what happens when we come. This morning was Wonderful. This is, I needed this this morning. This was, there was a, I remember about five years ago, I had this vision here about the mountain. It's just, it was so powerful for me. But in the one part of it, there was this cave where there was these three pools. And in the one pool, it was like a pool of rejuvenation. You'd sit in there and healing would just simply come just by sitting in. That literally was what was happening this morning to my beautiful daughter, Miranda. I could feel it. I felt like I was just sitting in that pool. So we, and, and as you said, it's spiritual, but, but our physical senses can even feel it and sense it, but it's spiritual. We're bringing it, we're bringing it to life. Amen, sister. Yes, we're bringing it to life. But Jesus said to Peter, when Peter said, let's just stay here. We're going to build three tabernacles, three little tents, and, and we're just going to dwell here. But Jesus said, no, 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 you're missing the point. I'm bringing you to this level, and it's showing you this church, this level of, of what I have for you so that you can go and take it to the community that I hunger for. And I had this sense this morning of this passion for Spruce Grove that I haven't, like we're still new here. We're still kind of coming to become neighbors and, and, you know, members not just of the church but of the community. But this morning I felt like I've, I got it. And I started to find a love for the people, not for the church, for the community. And, and, and it's like, I, this is what I sense. It's a new season. It's a new era. And I'm going to show you better things. But he says, my plan is you. Because you are the ones who are filled with the glory of God, with the spirit of God, with almighty God. And it's through you that I'm going to bring the community to me. Amen. I just need to share this real quick, just listening to Kim. You know, me and Matt, uh, last year we went to Crip Lake. I don't know if anybody's been to Waterton and hiked Crip Lake. It's quite the hike, and um, it's long. And so when we got there last year, uh, we started this hike, and we brought a bunch of uh, his kids with him, and we brought a couple other ones. And the beginning of this hike is a whole bunch of switchbacks, right, in the trees. And uh, it's really cool for the first 30 seconds. Right? Seriously, we got there and we're like, this is amazing and this is so awesome. And we get in the switchbacks and we're doing it all of a sudden. We're like, this is horrible. 
when are we going to get out of these things? We want to get out of them. And all of a sudden, you get out of them 45 minutes later. And then you see all the rock that you're about to climb. And that excitement comes in again. It's like, look at that. We're going to climb that. We're going to get to the top. And we're so excited. But then you realize climbing the rock is twice as hard as going through these switchbacks. So about five minutes up the rock, you're like, this is going to take forever. And you keep going and you're going and you're going and you're getting tired. But all of a sudden, you get close to the top. And as soon as you get a sniff of it, everything changes. And it's all of a sudden you get this new adrenaline. And you can run to the top. And we made it to the top. We get up there, and all of a sudden we come running around the corner. And what do we see at the top of this mountain? A hidden lake. Beautiful. We sat up there for three hours and just played, played in the water, did our thing. Talked about our trip, our journey. And then all of a sudden we started coming back down the mountain. But here was the interesting thing. Is on the way down, we caught people who were turning around and going down because they didn't make it up. Too tired. Lost all their energy. And we didn't think about them for five seconds until we were coming down. And so what Kim is saying, it's true. It's the season. I don't want to climb up the mountain by myself anymore. I want to go down the mountain. I want to bring all those people who couldn't make it. It's time. I won't take too long. What time is it now? Um, two Christmases ago, I had a dream. I don't dream very often. But in the dream, I was standing behind a stage, and there was a big curtain. And I knew on the other side of the curtain someone was speaking. I was on this side behind the stage, and I was actually sweeping with a big broom, <laughs> just the janitor of the church, sweeping along. Suddenly the man that was finished speaking came uh, through the curtain, and he walked up to me and he said, Oh, you, he says, I remember you. I used to go to this man's ministry where he helped me a lot, cast some demons out of me. Can Christians have demons? I won't go there. He helped me a lot in that era of my life. So he comes up and he looks at me and he says, Oh, you, I remember you. What have you been doing? I says, Well, I'm, I have a family now. I have a wife and kids and I have a ministry. And out of my mouth came, I've been doing some stuff in Central America. And he points his finger at me and he says, Family is great but never forget the power of God. It struck me so deep. That man was Morris Cirillo. I haven't seen him for years. But in the era of my life, he had the most impact. And he helped transform my life. And God began to say to me, listen, there is an era that we're entering into that has to do with resurrection power. Like we've not yet touched. And as I was sitting, in, in, as I woke up, I sat in my bed, and I was thinking of the resurrection power, and suddenly what flashed through my eyes, my mind, were families and people I know that need resurrection power. People in our church at home that are going through divorces and struggles. People that are having physical, and God kept saying, listen, they need my resurrection power. Family's great, but they need my power. God's begin to stir within me this desire to see transformation. Personal, my church, my family, the resurrection power of God. Now, Spruce Grove Community Church, you have gone through a lot. <laughs> right? You've gone through a lot. When I was in the prayer room, I saw a vision 
of new waves coming to this church. When we went to Mexico a few years ago, we were, we were in the water, Pam and I and the boys, and there was these waves that would come, and I would have Jonathan and Josiah on these little boogie boards, and we'd give them a push in the waves. And sometimes they would only go like 10 feet. But as I began to watch the waves, there was one wave I'd watch out there, and I would see this wave crest, and it was a bigger wave. And I would watch these waves, and I realized it was the 13th wave. And so we would wait. I don't know if the boys remember. And suddenly that wave, when it hit, the boys would go 100 feet to shore instead of 10. I want to prophesy over this church, there's a new wave coming. And God is saying, I'm going to give you the wisdom and the insight to catch the next wave. Because that wave is for the community and the region. And what the enemy worked for evil before, God say, I'm going to use for good. That's why this morning he was saying, the best is yet to come for Spruce Grove Community Church. There is a new era for this church. So you, I feel what you're going to begin to experience is these waves are going to hit. And then God is going to say, listen, there's a wave coming. I want you to have an event in this region. A brand new event. Remember the glory of the Father's house? There's another one coming. There's another wave that God wants to bless this region with. So, Father, I want to prophesy over this church that the best is yet to come again. Where the enemy meant evil and worked a certain dynamic in the hearts of many people here. God's saying, restore. Restore. Come on. Restore. God, what the enemy has robbed from this church. We're saying the best is yet to come. Ben, the best is yet to come. And here's part of the change, and this is what I will touch on. A few years ago when I was going through a really, really hard time, I began to doubt. There was a lot of warfare over my mind. And what was happening was there was a spirit kept striking at me, like a Leviathan spirit, like a, just kept hitting at me hitting at me, hitting at me. And I began to go this season of doubt, this season of unbelief, this season of warfare over my mind. And God began to do something to transform my thinking. I can still feel a remnant of that thing in my being sometimes. That's why I'd like to be around men like Mark and Kim and Gideon and others that can keep encouraging me along the journey. What happened was, and this is what I believe part of the era, the new transformation for Spruce Grove is. And this is, this is where I want to go and finish. So God began to say to me, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to begin to pray for those people that have hurt you, despitefully used you, or persecuted you. I want you to begin to pray every day Specifically, there was one or two individuals. Are you guys okay? Because I'm feeling some warfare, so I'm looking for some encouragement. So what happened was, there was one or two individuals that began to really cause me a lot of grief. And I woke up one morning, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, He said, I want you to begin to pray for them every day. Every day. And I said, I don't want to pray for them, I'm just pissed. 
I'm just mad. He said, I'm asking you to overcome. And I want you to begin to pray a blessing on them every morning. So I would wake up the first morning I woke up. And I said, God, I don't really want to bless them. But I'm going to anyway. And I began to pray a prayer of blessing. One month went by. Two months went by. Every day I woke up, I said, God, I bless and will not curse. I will release a blessing to those that have persecuted me. Three months went by. Four months went by. My heart began to soften a little, but not a lot. I was still mad. Okay to be transparent? So six months go by, and I wake up again. I began to pray a blessing on them. Father, I bless them in Jesus' name. Six and a half months, in the middle of that month, I woke up like every other morning, and, I, and those people that I struggled with went through my mind, and I prayed a blessing on them. And suddenly something happened. The Holy Spirit drew near to me, and he said, because you have chosen to bless, and I've shared this with before here, but there's a transformation coming to Spruce Grove and to all of us in a new way. I woke up that morning, God, I want to bless him, and he said to me, because you've chosen to bless, I'm going to change your heart. And I'm going to give you a supernatural love for them that you cannot have on your own. And suddenly the Holy Spirit drew near to me and I felt my heart begin to melt with the love of the Father. He began to say, this is who I am. I want to bless. There is a love of the Father that's coming to the church. A supernatural love that makes us one, that the world will know. What does it say we pass from death to life in Scripture? 1 John 3, 7 and 8. When we pass from death to life, here in this world is when we love the brethren. I was living in a certain death in my being. And I knew it. And God was saying, there's a supernatural love coming to me and to the family of God that the world will know. You see, there's a lot of cursing going on. There's a lot of words floating around. And God's saying the next era will be a supernatural encounter with my love that the world will know. I am so blessed to hear what you're doing in the community. When we are moved with passion, it's natural. When we see someone in the mall or the store that we maybe had some tension with, what comes out of our heart? Is it love first or frustration? I hope this helps somewhat. You know, the Bible talks about fallow ground in the, in the Bible, and fallow ground is basically defined as unfruitful ground. It's, it's too hard, or, so it needs to be plowed. The fallow ground needs to be plowed. And the capacity of God to live through you is based on, let's say, the geography of your heart. And so a part of your heart is given to him, and a part of your heart is fallow. And it, fallow ground is susceptible to other seeds and producing other kinds of wild fruit. And so what, what God does is he gives us opportunity to break up the fallow ground and to turn that ground into useful ground. And he does that through this process, where we have tension with people or they aren't what we expect them to be, and God 
demands that we break up the fallow ground. And every time you get up in the morning, you say, I bless that person that emotionally you don't want to bless. You don't feel like blessing. You think doesn't deserve to bless, be blessed. You are breaking up the fallow ground. And you are, you are putting in that spade and turning over that soil. Because ultimately, and that doesn't change them. You know, and it's great. Sometimes you get a miracle and God does a work in them. But ultimately, it's really just about you and your capacity to love. And, and so, uh, but, but the, the, the fact is, what you're trying to remove from your life is the ground that is susceptible to releasing cursing. When James was dealing with this in the book of James, and he dealt with it largely, he said, listen, blessing and cursing are coming out of the same mouth. Blessing and cursing are, it's like, it's like bitter water and holy water, sweet water coming out of the same well. He says, this ought not to be, but it is happening. He said, but it, it shouldn't be. And, and then he started to talk to them about how to deal with that. He began to talk about pride, self-delusion, uh, repentance, the breaking up the fallow ground. And, and God, God brings people into our lives to show us the fallow ground that's already there. If you really had you know, that capacity to just love everybody, uh, people wouldn't grate on you the way they do. And so redemption is less and less people grating on you to the point where maybe you're the type where people can be trying to kill you and you'll still love them like Jesus. But right now it's like, well, they didn't even look at me. They, you know, they looked at me without sweetness and I hate them. They should treat me better. Fallow ground. We want, we want that ground. When I talk about witchcraft, when we talk about Leviathan, when we talk about these warfare of the spirit, that our ability to go into warfare, take ground for the king, and be invulnerable to the enemy is based on the amount of fallow ground that he has to work with. And so it's very important that we walk through these processes. So what was God showing me? He said, number one, Truth is, son, you can't change yourself. You can make a choice, and I did. But he wanted me to understand that there was an encounter with the Father's heart he was after that was supernatural. Resurrection power. I needed resurrection power to overcome. Amen? And he wanted me to know that. You cannot change. I can make a choice, but I need an encounter with the Father and I feel that Spruce Grove community, it's the end of an era, and the new era is that resurrection power with the mix of the Father's love that will begin to... Who are those that left Spruce? Who are those in the community we want to reach out to and love? Who are those we want to give a phone call to? What if they don't respond? Who cares? Our part is to reach out, right? What does Scripture say? Those that have ought you go to? I'm not saying that hasn't happened. But I'm saying there's a new resurrection power coming to this house for this community and for this region and for this nation. There's an apostolic center here, and it's always been. But the enemies fought hard for it. So the Father is after each of us for a new encounter with the Father's love that the world will know. Amen? Father, I pray for Spruce Grove community. I thank you that all they've imparted to me, the worship the friendships. It's touched my life. But we want to say again, it is the end of an era. It is the end and it's brand spanking new. 
And don't doubt why Mark DuPont is coming. God is sending him next week on purpose to add some things. I just want to share, you know, I didn't quite finish the, the story of the Mount of Transfiguration. The last part of it was Jesus saying then to Peter, James, John, who had this amazing revelation of the fullness of, the, of, of, of God, the reality. This is the height of where we can attain to. But he says, no, we can't live here because now we got to go down to bring others up. And that's the new era. You've gotten to this height, to this level, to this training of, of where, where we can go to, where we can attain with God and actually live there, dwell there. Right? It's spiritual. But God says, but now it's time to go back down the mountain to reality, to the natural, so that we can bring others and train a whole nother generation to come up the mountain with us, right? So we've gone up the mountain. Now it's time to go down the mountain to bring others back up. Amen? And that's the new era. And that's what God's saying. I'm about to use you. You're my plan to do that because you know the way. Because the others don't know the way. Like what you were saying. I don't know where that is. So if I went to go there, I'd get lost. <laughs> I'd probably die on the mountain. <laughs> But we need to go back down because we know the way up. Amen? And God says, I am using you to bring others whom I've already planned and prepared. Their hearts are prepared. God, the Lord, the Holy Spirit is bringing a conviction to this community. And they're going to be ready when you say, come follow me. Amen? Well, why don't we stand? We're going to close the service. The true heart of mothers and fathers is they go back down and they get the kids and they help them up. And I'll say this, I went back to Waterton this year. I did that same hike and it was way easier. But this time I took my son. That was way better. And it wasn't about my journey or my trip this time. It was about watching him complete his. So Father God, we come to you right now. And we say, teach us how to do this. God, we want to have the heart of a father. We want to have the heart of a mother. We want to know how to love our community. We want to know how to love our family, God. Our aunts, our uncles, our parents, our grandparents, those people that we don't want to see at Christmas or Easter. But God, show us how to love those all around us. Teach us how to truly be Jesus to our family, to our friends, and to our community. And so, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. It's the only way we can accomplish this. We need to hear from you. We need to know what you're saying, when you're saying it, and we need to learn when to respond. And so, God, give us wisdom and understanding and give us faith and trust in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.